We are singing about the essentials of living for Christ. And I'm beginning a new series this morning that I hope you will stay with me on, read ahead, uh, check out the notes on the website, uh, make this some of your devotional time during this Lenten season. Let's focus on the last seven days of the Lord's sojourn here on the planet. And the way we want to approach this, I'm following up social networking, Join the Good News Conversation, which was all about the style of Jesus in the world, how he engaged people, how he behaved as a human being among men, and uh, what his approach was, and how we might follow him in his style of being in the world. And now I'm dealing with the last week of the Lord's life and seven major events in the last week of the Lord's life. Today I'm going to talk about the parade without a permit. And then successively going on through the city without a clock and the church without a prayer and the trader without a cause, the governor without a guide. And then Palm Sunday king without a country, and on Easter, the theft without a thief. So those are the next seven messages. They hit the major events in the life of the Lord Jesus. If you're wondering, well, what do I read? You can start with Mark chapter 10 and read through 16. All of that has to do with that last week of the Lord's life. Or you could start in John chapter 14, start reading, or John 13 even. All of that seems to be a discourse in the last week of the Lord's life. And the authors of the four Gospels focus on that, that part of the Lord's life with much of their material. In fact, somebody said that Mark is just a track on the passion. It's about the last days of Jesus. And starting with chapter 9 or 10, you realize he's turned his face to go to Jerusalem. So that's what we're doing in this Lenten season. We're going to watch Jesus as he interacts with the governor, with political powers of his day, with religious leaders of his day, and ask the question, how is he doing this? What's his style in the world for dealing with the powers that exist in his day? And how can that inform me? How can I better follow Jesus as a citizen of these United States or of some other country, as a member of the world community? How can I be like Christ in the way I live in the world? Now, the parade without a permit is about the triumphal entry, all right? Some people think this is a very political event in the life of Jesus, and I tend to agree uh, it, that it is. The most political event in the life of Jesus is probably the cleansing of the temple. And I'm going to get to that in a couple of weeks. If you've never thought about it in terms of the powers of the day, you make sure that you're here because it's an important way to see what Jesus does in the temple. The temple courts are going to play a major part in the last week of Jesus' life. He's going to go to the temple courts time after time. When they come to arrest him. He's going to say to them, I was in the temple courts every day. Why didn't you arrest me then? After the resurrection, the disciples are going to go back to the temple courts 
They're going to be worshiping in the temple courts. It is in the temple courts where the lame man will be healed and he's going to go uh, walking and leaping and praising God through the temple courts. The temple is the nerve center of ancient Israel. Jerusalem is the center of the nation's politics and religion. Jesus is going to the polis, the city. There he's going to encounter the politics, the governance of not only that city, but of Israel and even of Rome. Do you get the drift? Get the idea where I'm headed? Let's look at the triumphal entry. Luke chapter 19. Verse 29, Jesus gives a parable. He gives some teaching. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. No matter where you are in Israel, you go up to Jerusalem, all right? Jerusalem isn't the highest point in Israel, but you're always going up because it is the loftiest point. It is the highest point in their esteem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell him, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Talking to you about the parade without a permit, because that's what it turned into. At the end, we discover the Pharisees haven't given them permission to say these things out loud. And he wants and they want him to order the disciples to be silent. Jesus is entering Jerusalem. And he intends to make a scene. All his ministry, he's been holding back. He's been waiting. When they encouraged him to let them exalt him as king, he disappeared in the crowd. He wouldn't let it happen. 
he would say to them again and again, my time has not yet come. It's not time yet. But here, from the very beginning of this event, Jesus knows what he is going to do, though no one else knows. He says to the disciples he sends into the village ahead of them, just tell the man the Lord needs it. When he uses the word Lord, he's using a term that the Romans used to refer to Caesar, the word kurios in the Greek. He's telling them, you let them know the Lord, the Master, needs this colt. And when they say the Lord needs it, the owners let it go. Jesus is assuming the title of Lord. He will later in the parade allow them to say he is king, out loud and in public. The timing of this event is crucial. It is the Passover. The population of Jerusalem has swelled from 30,000 people to 180,000 people. Some people estimate even many more than that were in Jerusalem They are now excavating the ancient pool down at the foot of the Temple Mount. And that pool is the size it looks to be of a football field. And they say that at Passover time, the pilgrims arrive by the tens of thousands and they pass through that pool in ceremonial washing. There were... uh, Bathrooms that were provided for both men and women there. You can go to those excavations and see them now. They passed through that and they went up the Temple Mount and entered the courts of the Temple. Thousands upon thousands of people from all over the world are coming to the city of Jerusalem. Jesus is going to come down the Mount of Olives riding on a donkey. And thank you, David Wargo, for the beautiful artwork, by the way. He has prepared these seven scenes from the seven messages that we will be experiencing in the Lenten season. Jesus rides on the donkey. It is a prophetic utterance that he is fulfilling. He comes down the, the, the Mount of Olives into the Kidron Valley up to the east side of Jerusalem. It is as they prophesied the Messiah would enter. And the people who are in the know and have studied the scriptures are aware of it. The messianic expectation always runs high in Jerusalem. So you have him receiving the title. Coming in as king. At the time of the Passover, he intends to make a scene. The Son of God came, and the innkeeper said, No room for you here. The religious leader said, No room for you here. He came to his own, and his own received him not, the Scripture says, but there was appointed a day, a time and a place, when the Son of God would receive his due, and it was on this day, in this place, at this time, that Jesus was recognized as the Messiah and the King of Israel. And he was the only one who knew what was unfolding. 
People say, did he prepare that colt? Did he talk to the owners? Maybe, we don't know. But the disciples did not know. They found it as the Lord had told them it would be. He reserved the secret unto himself. And on this day initiated the parade without a permit. He wanted to cause a stir in Jerusalem this day. When the disciples begin to say, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, the Pharisees want them to be quiet. They are using the term king to refer to Jesus. Jesus has been in the shadows, so to speak. He has not revealed all of his identity. He has held back. Some people call it in Mark the messianic secret. There was something he wasn't ready to tell through all this time. But here on the Mount of Olives, as he rides into Jerusalem on this day, and the crowds begin to sing, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. He does not prevent it. It is his moment, his appointed time. And he intends for it to be a conflict. So the Pharisees hear and they object. And he says, you need to rebuke those disciples who are calling you king. But Jesus will not do it. The term king is going to be central to this last week of Jesus' life. They're going to be asking again and again, by what authority are you doing these things? Where do you think you got this power? Who do you think you are? The enemies of Jesus will make his identity the question. And not only the Jews, but even the Romans. So for these seven days in Jerusalem, during the Passover, when the thousands of pilgrims are gathered, the great question on everybody's lips is, who is Jesus? What is he up to in our city? Why is he allowing his disciples to proclaim him as a king? Now, Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on this donkey. He is not a king like Herod is king. He doesn't aspire to have Herod's throne. He is not a king like Caesar is king. He's not seeking to take Caesar's place. When the Jews disown him at his trial, they'll say, He's not our king. We have no king but Caesar. When the early apostles preached the gospel, they said to the Jews, You disowned him before Pilate. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One. And they did. But Jesus never intended to take Caesar's throne. The devil offered it to him in the temptations in the wilderness. The devil was saying to Jesus when he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and say, hey, I'm going to give you all this. All you got to do is bow the knee to me. He was saying to him, here's the way to be Messiah. Here's the way to rule. Here's the way to change the world. Here's the way you operate on this planet. You take first place. You take the best seat. 
You get to the highest point, you tell people what to do. You don't serve, you let other people serve you. Jesus, throughout his ministry, is reversing this way of looking at the world. He is making his point as he gets on a donkey and comes into the city. He has caused a stir. He has caused a scene. Now he wants to make the point. It's a lot of fun to listen to the radio in the Texas Hill Country. They read obituaries for 10 or 15 minutes on the radio. They tell you every nephew, every niece, what the person did, long obituaries. One of the things they do also is they sell things. So you can listen to them as they say, you know, we've got a retriever for sale it's sixty dollars call this and that we have a quarter horse it's four years old it's broken you can rope from it it's two thousand dollars call this number we've got a saddle i was listening and i heard about some guys that were selling donkeys and then as they went through all the things for sale these fellows were selling donkeys for like about a hundred dollars a piece they came on an ad where somebody was trying to give their donkeys away. And I thought, well, there goes the salesman there trying to get 100 bucks for their donkeys, right? And they said of these donkeys that these donkeys stay with the sheep and the goats. Now, you, you may never have seen this, but if you drive by a herd of sheep or goats in a pasture in central Texas... The greatest threat to the rancher is the predators, the wolves, the coyotes, sometimes even mountain lions. If they are fearful of predators getting the lambs, they put donkeys in the pasture. And the donkeys will fight the predators to their death. Now, you think about a donkey, all right? Have you ever ridden? How many of you have ridden a donkey? See your hands. Look at the people. I tell you now, I've ridden horses. I much prefer horses to donkeys. I've never felt secure in a donkey. The only good thing about a donkey is you're right there at the ground, you know? <laughs> so if you fall off, you're not going to hurt anything because your feet almost drag. John told me, he'd never, John, you've never read, ridden a donkey, have you? Elephants, camels, horses, but no donkeys for John. That's probably good because the donkey could run right under John and he'd never have to pick up his feet. <laughs> he might be dragging his feet all the way to his knees if he were riding a donkey. Now, you've got to think about this for a minute, you know. The Romans have their great victorious parades where they ride into Rome on the high-spirited stallions with their captives in a train behind them and everybody cheers and throws the rose petals down from the buildings and it's a great triumphal procession. What is Jesus doing? Consistent with his birth in a manger. His rank among the peasants. His washing of the disciples' feet. 
he decides to come in triumphal procession, not on a prancing stallion, but on a donkey. There's something about a donkey that conveys gentleness and peace. All over the world, they are beasts of burden. You can see them in South America and Africa and so many different places in the world, pulling the little carts, walking along with sticks on their back, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey because that's the kind of king he is. He is the king of the servants. He is the king of the peasants. He loves sinners and little people. He is no respecter of persons the finest mansion on this planet looks like a slum dwelling compared to his home in heaven. There is nothing in him that wants to aspire to be great among the men that run this world. The politics of this parade is the first shall be last and the last will be first and if your style would be like the style of Jesus of Nazareth in the world then you my friend ride a donkey other folks travel in limousines you come on your bicycle it doesn't matter to you the accolades you receive from those who rule the planet and are considered great in this world. It has no meaning to you. It does not matter at all. If you are a follower of Jesus, you ride the donkey because you are a servant on this planet and you know the true rule of the universe is that those who serve come first. The Pharisees object and say, You tell these disciples of yours to be quiet. We don't need them calling you a king. This will later be the title they nail to his cross. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Ha ha. Yeah. King of the Jews. What a king. What a joke. Some people in this world think that it's all about power. Who calls the shots? Who's in control? Who's in charge? And the way you win in this world is you get to the place where you're in charge. Some people think that's the heart of reality living on this planet. Jesus would beg to differ with you. Having come from the power center of the universe to this tiny planet, third rock from the sun, 
He would say to you, no. The fundamental reality of this universe is that the mighty God who made it all loves you. Has come all the way from heaven to this little spot of a planet because he loves you. And the ruler of this universe doesn't care whether you are high and mighty in this world. He loves you passionately and perfectly right where you are. And the greatest reality of this universe is His love for you. And all the power you think you can accumulate to yourself He could brush away with the breath of his nostrils and not even know it. You will never be high and mighty in his sight by gaining the acclaim of men. What will make you great in the eyes of the God who made you is when you follow Jesus as servant of all. He who is servant, who rides the donkey, who has the children and the women and the peasants laying their cloaks in the road. They call him the king. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees say, that's not true. We know what a king is and he's not one. And Jesus says, if they keep quiet, what? What? The stones will cry out. The lithos will cry out. See, on this appointed day, Jesus will receive the proper recognition to his name in a world that rejected him among people who were his own, but his own would not receive him, on this day, he will receive his due. I have gone down the Mount of Olives on this road near where Jesus came on the donkey. And I can tell you, these stones, speak when you ride on the road from the Mount of Olives to the city of Jerusalem you are surrounded by stones any pasture land that is there is scattered with stones and those stones the creator scattered with his hand if the people keep silent that day nature will break out say no he is the king he is the king blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord and everywhere you go on the Mount of Olives, there are these ancient stones, not simply scattered by the hand of God, but carved by the hand of man. Stones in the pavement, stones on retaining walls, great stones that are the tombs of the prophets, and stones in the walls of Jerusalem that date back thousands of years. 
These stones have witnessed the coming and going of mighty kings and Caesars and princes. They have heard the clatter of the stallions on that road. And Jesus says, on this day, if the peasants keep quiet, not only the stones scattered by the hand of man, all nature crying, he is king, but history itself. The stones that are carved by man and placed by man and have witnessed all the events that have happened in this key city in the world. Even these stones will cry out because history declares Jesus is king. And one day, if you add your voice to the pilgrims on this day and say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord and you recognize Jesus as the one who brings peace in heaven and who deserves glory on the highest, if you add your voice to these pilgrims, you will add your voice to all nature and history. And you will be proclaiming what will be universally stated one day when every tongue God ever made will confess Jesus is Lord and every knee God ever made will kneel before Him. Jesus turned loose a people in the earth who are donkey riders, mercy givers, servant leaders, people who live by grace who know that love is a central truth of God's world who seek not to elevate themselves but to exalt the Savior who rescued them from their sin Jesus turned loose a people in this world who aspire not to the thrones of men but to the pleasure of God who seek here to bring him glory and whose identity is locked into their allegiance with Christ who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. John wrote that Jesus came into this world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came to his own people, the Jews. And the Jews did not receive him. But to as many as received him, Jew or Greek, to those people he gives the power to become the sons of God. Even to all those who believe in his name. Sometimes, when we present the gospel, the good news that God has sent Jesus, his one and only son, to die on the cross for you, to solve your sin problem, to pay the debt that your sin has accumulated to your soul. Sometimes when we talk about the good news of the gospel, we say, have you ever received Jesus as Savior. Maybe you wonder when you hear that, what does that mean? To receive Him as Savior. John says, as many as received Him, to those people He gives the power to become the sons of God, 
even to those who believe in His name. Believing and receiving are one and the same thing. You believe in Jesus not simply when you assent mentally to who He is, but when you receive Him as your own personal King and Lord. Every human being has to do this for themselves. Your parents did not do it for you and could not do it for you. Your preacher cannot do it for you. Your friends cannot do it for you. Your country cannot do it for you. You must do this yourself. Seeing the Lord riding on the donkey into Jerusalem. Knowing who He is and the kind of Messiah He is. To say in your heart, Lord Jesus, I want you in my life. And by faith I receive you as my Lord. That is the moment when you are empowered to become a child of God. And God receives you into his family by his grace. It is not by works of righteousness which you do. No good works or religious works will ever get you into the family of God. It is only by receiving Christ himself as Savior and Lord that you enter God's family. On this day, when I have preached on the triumphal entry, when we have looked at Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, this would be a marvelous and wonderful moment to say, Lord, I open my life to you and proclaim you as King and receive you as my Savior. Let's bow together. For somebody in this room, it is the most important decision to make in your life. Who is Jesus, this man on the donkey? Is he King of kings and Lord of lords? Who is he to you? Have you ever received him as Savior? Right where you are, you can say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Believe in Christ. And in a moment, come and tell us. Tell one of our prayer counselors that you have trusted Christ or pray with that prayer counselor. Trusting Christ as Savior. Lord, we pray this morning that you will have your way in us. We proclaim you as King of kings and Lord of lords from this church on this day and every day in this body of believers in this family of faith Lord you have empowered us to be your children and so we carry the good news glory in the highest peace in heaven everywhere we go thank you God that you have made us your own through the blood of your son Jesus God we pray now that you will do your work in us send your Holy Spirit swiftly to every heart in this place Turn our thoughts, our minds toward you. Strip us of any pride that makes us arrogant toward you. Help us see ourselves for who we truly are and know you alone are righteous and holy. God, that we might know you fully and live in this world in obedience to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.